Greet you in the name of Jesus this morning. It's good to be here, brother. Just an explanation, my. In case you're wondering, I spend so much time with my truck. I guess it's inevitable that we have some disagreements at times. <clears throat> Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 30. I want to look at Old Testament here, but speaking of, or to the children of Israel, but I think we see a character of God here in these verses that we are recipients of. We were talking about that in the Sunday school lesson already, but the choice that we have and that God has given us and uh, I think we all <clears throat> continually make this choice whether we want to follow God or forsake Him. And as we look at these verses, and can helps us to understand that to choose Him is to have access to the fountain of living water. And to turn a back on him is to choose broken cisterns of disappointment. There's no middle ground between the showers of God's blessing and the dry and barren wastes of our own way. You know, so many times we'd like to try to find a middle ground where maybe we don't necessarily want a full commitment to him, but we don't also don't want the desert place of living without him, but you know we either follow him or we don't. We do receive the blessings, and there's of course more blessings at times. That the more we follow him, the more blessings we get. But we need to either have decided to completely follow him or he will reject us. <clears throat> we'll read verses 1 through 10 in Deuteronomy chapter 30. It shall come to pass, when all these things come upon thee, the blessing and the curse which I have set before thee, and thou shalt call them to mind among all the nations whither the Lord thy God hath driven thee, and shalt return unto the Lord thy God, and shalt obey his voice according to all that I command thee this day, thou and thy children with all thy heart and with all thy soul, that then the Lord thy God will turn thy captivity and have compassion upon thee and will return and gather thee from all nations with the Lord thy God hath scattered thee. If any of thine be driven out into the uttermost parts of heaven, from thence will the Lord thy God gather thee, and from thence will he fetch thee. And the Lord thy God will bring thee into the land which thy fathers possessed, and thou shalt possess it, and he will do thee good and multiply thee above thy fathers. And the Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart and the heart of thy seed to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, that thou mayest live. And the Lord thy God will put all these curses upon thine enemies and on them that hate thee, which persecuted thee. 
And thou shalt return and obey the voice of the Lord and do all his commandments which I command thee this day. And the Lord thy God will make thee plenteous in every work of thine hand, in the fruit of thy body and in the fruit of the cattle and in the fruit of thy land for good. For the Lord will again rejoice over thee for good as he rejoiced over thy fathers. If thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to keep his commandments and his statutes which are written in this book of the law, and if thou turn unto the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. <clears throat> so we want to look at seven promises that are given here to those that return to the Lord and obey his voice. We want to receive and enjoy the blessings of, of God, and if, if we want to receive those, we need to be saved and consecrated. <clears throat> Let's look at the seven things that are promised to the converted and the consecrated, or to, <clears throat> to the dedicated. It's not just enough to, to be saved and then... And then uh, continue on, but we need to be saved and then to be dedicated to him if we want to receive these blessings. Number one blessing that we see here is delivered in verse 3. Then the Lord thy God will turn thy captivity or just to bring you back from this captivity. He will loose your bands of iniquity. We have all experienced these constraining bands of iniquity. And uh, understand the constraint that is. It's kind of like uh, at first these bands aren't really felt. It's kind of like a constrictor, well, a constrictor or something. You know, the tightening. And the, the longer we spend in that, in living a life away from God or against Him, the more constricting these these bands are. <clears throat> but the Lord has promised, and He desires to loose these bands. And I think as Al in the Sunday school mentioned, or Looked about how God has created man to, to to serve him, to choose to serve God, and the joy that God gets. So God created the animals, and the animals bring glory to God just by being what God created them to be, but they have no choice in serving God. And God has desired that we would make the decision to be freed from, from the bands of iniquity and to commit ourselves to serving him. He has made the provisions for us to make that decision and then he <clears throat> showers the blessings upon us for doing that. <clears throat> And that, they may, <coughs> excuse me, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 26. 
He delivers from the power of darkness those who are sold under sin. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. Romans 7, verse 14. Now we were all sold under sin, and uh, we didn't have the means to buy our way out of that at all. But Jesus paid that price to pay that ransom so that we were not do not need to be sold anymore. Also, 2 Corinthians 1 verse 10, who delivered us, past tense, from so great a death, and doth deliver, present tense, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. So he has past, is presently, and in the future has promised to de deliver us. It's his desire is to continually deliver us from ourselves, from the snares of the devil, which we know are constantly there around us. Also, one more verse, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord, unto the Lord and you will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. We need to have made that decision to forsake our own way, but the wicked forsake his way, and not just the acts that we did do, but it says also, the unrighteous man his thoughts, let him return unto the Lord. The Lord will abundantly pardon. It's not just that he barely has the provision for us to be freed, but there's abundant salvation available to us. All right, number two. Next promise is to be restored. Verse four. If any of thine be driven out into the uttermost parts of heaven and from from thence will the Lord thy God gather thee, and from thence will he fetch thee. <clears throat> God not only delivers from the dominion of Satan and the lure of sin and the world, but he brings us to his own great heart of love, that we might have fellowship with himself. In uh, Luke Chapter 15, we know that well, that story of the prodigal son. And he was delivered from the place he found himself in, there in the mud with the pigs. He saw himself, his condition, and he was delivered when he left the far country. But he was not restored until he returned to the arms of his gracious father. For us, in the same way, it's not enough for us just to separate ourselves from sin, but we need to be restored to the father. We need to be restored and committed and uh, 
and willing to yield ourselves to whatever he has for us if we want to fully be restored. Number three is to be supplied. Lord, thy God will bring thee into the land and he will do thee good. Has God ever done anything in our lives that were not for our good? Everything he does is for our good. Lord, thy God will bring thee into the land which thy fathers possessed, and thou shalt possess it, and he will do thee good and multiply thee above thy fathers. These promises were, of course, given to the children of Israel here, but I think all Christians can claim them for themselves. All who have been reconciled to God through the death of his Son are made heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Romans 8, verse 17. And we could look more into that thought of being reconciled to God through the death of his son. How we have become heirs of God. And when you think of being heirs, joint heirs with Christ, all that Christ has provided for us and is enjoying already in the presence of God, we also have a promise, and it's mind-boggling to think of that, that we can be heirs of God. We can inherit everything that he has ever created for mankind that we can look forward to are and already are enjoying so many of those blessings now, but even more yet in the future. All the needs that we have can be supplied if we will just make that decision to return, as it says here in these verses, return to the Lord. All right, number four. <clears throat> The blessing that is mentioned here is to be chastised. We don't usually think of being chastised as a blessing. The Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart, in verse 6, in the heart of thy seed, to love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul that thou mayest live. A circumcised heart is one that is chastised and subdued so that the whole affection of the soul is weaned from the world and itself and is centered on the Lord. Our hearts, our our whole being is never naturally um, toward God. But it's only as we are continually chastised as we continually are prompted by the Holy Spirit, by God, that we draw closer to him. Um, 
just look at some verses in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 10 and 11. <clears throat> look at this some more here. Actually, back up here, verse 7 already starts this thought here. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are you bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much more, much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? And then verse 10, <clears throat> For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Stop reading there. <clears throat> And then contrast, or look at these verses in light also then of John chapter 15, verse 2, which says, Every branch in me which beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it might bring forth more fruit. What is the goal of God in all the chastisements that he allows in our lives or that he brings upon us is that we would gain or that we would produce more fruit, that we would become more like Christ. And uh, we see that in how that works in fruit trees. A little bit of cutting away of that which is useless, is actually drawing strength, tapping strength of energy away from the fruit. If we take that away, the fruit becomes better and more abundant. And uh, we know our hearts are the, the same way. There's always things that want to crowd out the good, and we continually need that pruning in our lives. The stony heart must be taken away to make room for the heart of flesh that can feel the gentle touch of God. And uh, as long as we're in this life, our hearts continually have that tendency to become harder and harder and continually need that softening of, of God on ourselves. Ezekiel 36, verse 26 says, A new heart also I will give you, and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. It's God's desire for us is to have a heart of flesh, a heart that he can work with. And <clears throat> he has blessings ready there for us if we do if we allow that conversion to take place 
And then number five is the blessing of being defended. Verse seven. And the Lord thy God will put all these curses upon thine enemies and on them that hate thee, which persecuted thee. <clears throat> In the Old Testament, we know this is all under the old dispensation here. But God <clears throat> defended his children, the Israelites there. And he also, in the same Similarly, today is defending us as well. Maybe not in the physical sense like he did here, but God does look out for his children. Exodus 11, verse 7, But against any of the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue against man or beast, that ye may know how that the Lord doth put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. We know we are not to curse our enemies, but to pray for them. And uh, we have no part in this defending ourselves against the enemy, but you know the verse says, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. We are called to hand our enemies over to him. You know, that's how the apostles lived. We need to trust that God has our backs. Acts 4 verse 29 says, And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servant that with all boldness, servants that with all boldness they may speak thy words. It's important for us to live like the apostles give us an example that whatever... Those that oppose us do, it's if God has a work for us, he will continue to protect us, continue to work on our behalf, and our job is to be a witness for Christ, to live for him. <clears throat> Number six is blessing of fruitfulness, <clears throat> verse nine. Lord thy God will make thee plenteous in every work of thine hand, in the fruit of thy body, in the fruit of thy cattle, and in the fruit of thy land, for good. For the Lord will again rejoice over thee for good, as he rejoiced over thy fathers. He will make us plenteous in every work of our hand. Does that mean everything that we do will just flourish and will be a success? I don't think it's speaking of physical things necessarily, although I, so many times he does bless, bless our lives in that way. But we know that the trees of the Lord's planting and watering are never fruitless. As we turn our back on bondage that we were under and return to the Lord, he will give those, shower those blessings on us. Psalm 92, verse 12. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. And uh, 
and the remnant that has escaped of the house of Judah shall yet take root downward and bear fruit upward. 2 Kings 19 verse 30. <clears throat> I think we are also part of this remnant that have escaped and we need to continually put our roots downward as well so, so that we can bear fruit. John 12 verse 24 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, <clears throat> except the corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. <clears throat> the downward or the dying process of the self-life is an integral part of the strengthening of the new Christ life, which is part of the fruit-bearing. <clears throat> and then the last one, see, he rejoiced over, we look, read that verse, already verse 9, read it again. <clears throat> Last part, for the Lord will again rejoice over thee for good, as he rejoiced over thy fathers. <clears throat> Proverbs 10, verse 1, the proverb of Solomon, a wise, man, a wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. And uh, as we are wise sons and daughters in making the decision to return to the Lord, following the Lord, being committed to him, the Lord also rejoices over us. Zephaniah 3, verse 17. I'll just read some verses here. Zephaniah chapter 3, verses 14 through 20. Sing, O daughter of Zion, shout, O Israel, be glad and rejoice with all thine heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord hath taken away thy judgments. He has yet cast out thine enemy, the king of Israel, even the Lord is in the midst of thee. Thou shalt not see evil any more. In that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear thou not, and to Zion let not thy hand be slack. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save, he will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. I will gather them that are sorrowful for the solemn assembly who are of thee, to whom reproach of it was a burden. Behold, at that time I will undo all that afflict thee, and I will save her that halteth, and gather her that was driven out, and I will get them praise and fame in every land where they have been put to shame. In that time I will bring you again, even in the time that I gather you, for I will make you a name and a praise among all the people of the earth, and I turn back your captivity before your eyes, saith the Lord." Again, a promise to the children of Israel here in the Old Testament, but a promise, I think, that we can claim for ourselves. The Lord promises that he wants to rejoice over us. 
We are a blessed people to have these promises. Luke 15, verse 24. Remember how the father rejoiced over his long-lost son when he returned, a prodigal son. The parable here, the father rejoiced. He had seen what his son was enduring, and if he could have made that decision for him, he would have done that a long time before he even ended up hungry, wanting to eat the pig's food there. But the father couldn't make that decision. But when the son made that decision and returned, the father rejoiced the same way God rejoiced when we finally returned to him as well. John 15, verse 11, These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. We looked at these seven blessings, seven promises of God. Let's commit ourselves to continually make that decision that we'd be dedicated to him, to be faithful to him, because the Lord wants to rejoice in us and has so many blessings for us. Let's kneel for prayer. Father, heavenly Father, we're so humbled when we think of where we have been and where so many times we find ourselves away from you, but you continually have the provision there for us to make the decision to come back to you and that you are waiting to rejoice. Would we do that? Many promises that you have given to us that we can be sons and daughters of yours, that we can be some heirs with Christ. And we realize that there's nothing that we can do to deserve this, nothing that we can do to even begin to come back to you that you haven't made the provision for already. And I would also think of those that have not made the decision and just pray and you continue to be merciful and just pray that you would help us to also share the joy that there is in living for you, living with the, the blessing that you give to us. Help us not to try to live between the two, but to be wholly committed to you. We just, we just pray now that you would be with us for the rest of this day, that you would walk with us and guide your echoes continually as we follow you with the news.